Hello, welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of IntelliCast. Um, today's episode is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. That's us. Um, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com, EMI underscore research on Twitter, or IntelliCast1 on Twitter. Um, today I am joined by Damon Jones, who's the VP of Telephone Operations at Burke. Hey, Damon, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. You're a two, you joined the Two Timers Club. I feel very honored. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some fun topics. I wanted to start the episode um, with a, a little follow-up to the previous episode about Publix, <laughs> which I feel like I've been talking about forever. It feels like we've been talking about it in the office forever. Yeah, it's really gone crazy. I tagged Publix in my LinkedIn post. No response yet. Still waiting on that. But I left out a very important part of the detail. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Damon and some of our listeners that don't know the story, but I was in Atlanta last week for a conference, a SampleCon, which mm -hmm. I know you have a couple of coworkers that were there that were fantastic. And um, we had um, a client there and they just, one of my coworkers and one of their coworkers just bonded over Publix. <laughs> they were, they were so loyal and like all we could talk about was Publix. So Mary Draper, who works here, I think you kind of know her. She, yes. um, Used to live in Florida, very loyal to Publix, and she once a year drives down to Florida or drives down to Nashville, the closest Publix, and does her Thanksgiving Day shopping. And I've wow. always given her a hard time about it. Like you drive to Nashville, and like what do you buy? And she's like seasoning, carrots, a sandwich. She did at Publix. At Publix, yeah, yeah. That's the wow. look. The look on your face is the look I had a week ago. I'm not kidding. And then so we met another girl, Shannon, who was on the podcast, and she's she, they tell the story about well, we're going to Publix. We're going to figure out a way. That you two could go to Publix to mix that in, and Mike and I are like, we're just going to be observing. Like, I want to, I want to experience what y'all are talking about, which is about brand loyalty and about a customer experience. And so we went. It was an amazing experience, right? Of course, the chicken. I had a chicken club sub. I think is what it's called. Pub sub. Chicken maybe. tender. Chicken tender sub yeah. at the deli in Publix. One of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. It's amazing. Nice. Great service. <laughs> And then, of course, as researchers, we joked around, like, maybe we need to A-B test this. We don't have a test to control. Maybe all of the grocery stores in the South are nice because it's the South, right? right? So, but anyway, so we left, and I rode to the airport um, with Mike and Shannon, and I bought – we all bought this extra food. Like, they, they had bought extra sandwiches to bring home to their families. And so – I brought an extra piece of cake, and then I was trying to find security. And the Atlanta airport, obviously, is giant. I couldn't find where to get the security, so I asked someone. I said, hey, where's the security line? And she goes, it's over there. I said, oh, thank you. Would you like a piece of cake? <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but I had a piece of cake. And she goes, oh, is that Publix cake? <laughs> and I said, it is Publix cake. And she's like, yes. And I gave her the piece of cake and a fork because I was thinking I was going to eat on the plane or something. And she goes, follow me. She took me through security. I skipped the line. I skipped Over clear. A piece of cake from Publix. Yeah, a three dollar piece of cake from Publix. So and now she, I want to go to Publix. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple things with that. It's okay, great. You got around security, but then there's a. All it takes to get around security is a piece of cake. Yeah, that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, that's all it takes. A piece of cake, and that was a. I left that out of the story because I don't know. If, I, I didn't think about it. But I wanted to bring that up too. Is it kind of just the public story just keeps going on and on and going on. <laughs> that's hilarious. So yeah. So, so anyway, quick side note. Yeah. It's funny with Mary, Mary Draper, yeah. EMI, and I don't, I've met Mary. I don't know her very well. Yeah. But just a couple of tidbits. Okay. Oh so, yes. Mary's mother-in-law was my favorite high school teacher right. ever. Sharon Draper, National Teacher of the Year. She was awesome. Yeah. She's an author, famous author. Yes. Yeah. Famous author. She writes children's books. Yeah. And Mary's 
husband and I shared the same first name. And yes. I knew that from her mom. So this small world. Yeah. Yeah. You don't burn bridges in research That's or right. in Cincinnati, That's right? right? That's right. You never small know. World. You never know. You. A lot of connectivity. Yeah. And now she wants me to try to to try Publix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going to Atlanta in the fall, maybe the summer, you never know. Um, so, Damon, thanks again for joining. And um, I wanted to talk to you because we've been involved in a committee in the Great Lakes Chapter of the Insight Association, the Diversity Education Committee. Right. And I wanted to kind of promote that a little bit. And, but you really started it. And so I think maybe the story starts with your days at Burke. So really my first question is, um, how long have you been at Burke? What do you do at Burke? Those kind of questions. Cool. Um, been at Burke a long time, like everyone else at Burke. <laughs> it's a great place to work. I've been at Burke uh 23 and a half years. It'll be 24 in July. Okay. So a very long time, over yeah. half my life. I've okay. Spent <laughs> at Burke. Uh, my primary responsibility is managing our, managing our telephone operations. Right. So our call center, we have about 150 oh my some gosh. Odd, uh, part-time staffers and wow. about 12 full-time at our call center. Yeah. That's amazing, by the way. That's awesome. It's, it's, there's never a day that is the same. It's never yeah. boring. Um, but, but it's fun. It's yeah. just like our small family, uh, home away from home. Well, I think we talked about in the last podcast. I started in research doing telephone work. I was a telephone interviewer for a couple of years, man, that is hard work, especially Absolutely. today. I bet you have increased challenges that we didn't have 20 years ago. Oh, right? Big time. Yeah. Uh, number one, probably being just the, um, all the spam and, yeah. and, and calls that are going out like every day I probably get three or four on my cell phone every single day. Yeah, right. Me too. And so the general public has no idea, you know, yeah. who we are and, and they don't distinguish between market researchers or your right. your salesperson from offshore and some right. random phone number. And so I just re- read an article recently, actually, from uh, the Insights Association, and it was talking about, you know, how Insights Association and other parties are lobbying really strongly in D.C. that with the FCC to try to build some differentiation yep. between parties who are doing legitimate business and trying to conduct legitimate business versus all of these sales and spam right. calls. So that that traffic in the phone space yeah. is a big time challenge for oh, I us. Bet. It's still going strong. Apparently, that's a big phone center. Yes. Yes. Still going strong. We yeah. have a couple great clients. Yeah. Um, and so. We're still we're still here many many years later. <laughs> That's awesome. And you mentioned the Insights Association, and I know that you've been in, really involved in Insights Association for a long time. And I'd love to hear kind of how you started in it and your background in it. I know you're a former president, and you're yep. still heavily involved. Yep. Um, I probably started an Insights Association, which at the time was the MRA, the Marketing Research Association. Uh, I'd say 17, 18 years ago. Um, and so a couple of folks at Burke were heavily involved. Burke has been involved in the, that association since I remember, yeah. uh, being a part of Burke. And so at uh, a couple of colleagues of mine, Barb Hurt, who worked at Burke a long time, um, uh, for one of my former, uh, managers at the time, uh, Ken Strunk, who was also a former president of GLC and my current manager. So they all were like, well, we need you to get involved. It's a great uh-huh. place to meet people, network, meet partners. Yeah. Um, that's where Burke started actually meeting our network of both phone subcontracting partners and our online sampling partners was through 
the Marketing Research Association. Okay. So it was funny. My first phone call was made to uh, past president, Amy Morris. Yeah. Uh, Amy, Amy passed away probably about 10 years ago now. Yeah. But she was a wonderful person. So I called her. I said, Hey, I'm with Burke. Um, I'm interested in, in, you know, being a part of the organization and volunteering and helping out. She's like, okay, it's great. And, you know, she was really upbeat. That's fantastic. Love to have you. I'm not really sure, you know, what you can do, but <laughs> I'll reach out. No lie. Within 15 minutes, Amy called me back and said, hey, we do something called the City Forum. Yeah. We have it in one of our regional cities. It's usually about 50 people. and We have three speakers for half a day. Yeah. We need a chairman. Um, <laughs> do you want to do that? <laughs> so that's, that's how I started in well, the GLC. That sounds like my, I feel like I, you got duped a little bit. Do you feel that way? <laughs> I didn't feel duped, but it was certainly surprising. Yeah. I, you're, you're the treasurer, so yeah, maybe you got duped I, a little more. I um, <laughs> I was heavily involved in the AMA, and I'm, I'm much later, obviously, the Inside Association. And I thought about switching it up, and I'm, I'm really glad I did because I just find it so valuable. But I called up, I think it was Lori Colardy or mm-hmm. Rhonda. Yeah. Um, Rhonda was president, or Colson. One of them I called up and said, yeah, I really want to get more involved in the GLC. And they're like, well... You want to be treasurer? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That, I, I get on the leadership team. That's I get right. on the board. Like that's that sounds like something I would really love to do. And so that's what I am now. I got elected um, unopposed. So thankfully, no one ran against me. <laughs> I, w- I would have voted for you, Brian. No doubt. <laughs> but yeah, the same thing. Like so, uh, the people out there, if you want to get involved, they they will take you up on the absolutely, offer. <laughs> absolutely. There's a lot to do. Yeah. Um, the Great Lakes chapter is the largest chapter in terms of number of members. Um, I don't know what the count exactly is, but last check it was around 770. Yeah, right around there. Yeah. Plus, um, so there are a lot of members, a lot of activity that can happen within the region. So yeah. definitely, the GLC will take the volunteers. Yeah. Um, because we have a lot to do. Um, like the Diversity and Education yep. Committee. So you, you've been involved for, what did you say, 17 years? About 17, 18 years, yes. And you've been on the leadership team for quite a while, right? Long time. I mean, since my involvement as chairman yeah. of the city forum. Um, and I was served as president mm, about six years ago, now, okay. six, seven years ago. And when I was president, I, I started our current Diversity and Education Committee. Okay. I started for a couple reasons. And it's it's a blend. So it's diversity and education, which are kind of two different things, yeah. but um, the GLC has done a great job traditionally, traditionally of working with colleges and universities throughout the region. So speakers in class, uh, mentorships, um, having activities and educational events on campuses. Um, the diversity part came diversity and inclusion is kind of one of my passion points. Right. And I, you know, just, Hundred percent facts. One reason why it was for me is I would attend a lot of the conferences, whether it be Great Lakes Chapter Conference or particularly national MRA conferences. And so when I looked around, at least from a, you know, your first, your core diversity piece. Yeah. You look at age, gender, race. Yeah. I was the only black guy at a lot of these. Yeah. Or I was one of two. Yeah. And that was the same same people at every single um, event. Right. And so for me, from an industry that serves everyone, right, consumers, yep. B2B, I mean, we have a broad uh, group of individuals 
with very diverse backgrounds that we serve. Yes. It struck me as really strange that um, there was not more uh, cultural diversity and, and ethnic diversity at these events. Yeah. And so I, th- I think we, I, I felt like we needed a, a, a sounding board and a group that could kickstart some conversation. Right. Um, and we're still far away. We yep. still have work to do. Um, but that's how, that was my initial um, star and, and, and flashlight to go, we need to do something. I mean, we have to do something and, and reach more people. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of related to when people started market research, like, and that's a question that, you know, we've seen over the years being yeah. involved in the industry is how'd you start market research? Oh, I was working at, you know, this place and a buddy of mine was working at this company and I decided to start and I liked it. Yeah. You hear a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the industry um, of people who fell into market research. So it's twofold for, for me. A, I think we need to market our industry better yeah. to um high school and college level students to even know what the industry is, what it entails and the ch- challenges and the, um, um, the success that you can get when building the industry. Um, and that's just for any, any student. So yeah. secondarily to that for um, individuals. So, so young folks who may not have access to a lot of other information um, to, kind of build that bridge. I mean, knowledge is key. So yeah. you have to even know what it's about before you can even right. take the steps to start to exactly. build your even college resume yeah. to get into the industry. Because even me, I fell into the industry right. in college as a part, I was a part-time interviewer yeah. working in college and I, I stayed. Um, but it wasn't until I started working in the industry that I kind of saw the paths so maybe I would have taken a different direction to yeah. do different things and take certain classes that would lead me to have a, a, a more diverse and a broad skill set right. that could let me do, you know, take diff- take on different opportunities within the industry. So, yeah, well, we've, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've talked, I think we spoke about this in Florida, but, I think that diversity is so important, especially for our industry that we are in, because ultimately our jobs are to take insights and opinions of a diverse group of population yes. and turn that into actual insights for our clients, right? Correct. Ultimately, that's what we're supposed to do. Absolutely. How can we do that if we do have a diverse group that's right. of decision makers that's and right. the people designing the surveys, the people analyzing the surveys? Yep are not diverse. And so I think what's important for every industry, this is especially important for our industry. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and thinking about diversity and diversity becomes that like scary word to people. Yeah. Right? Because they go, oh, it's about race. Like we don't have a race problem. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. Yeah. It's just, it's a much broader, huge spectrum yeah. of ideas, diversity of thought, diversity of communication and wouldn't it be fantastic if we were able to take our own skill sets and change our mind when we're yeah. speaking with our clients so yeah. that we can create a synergy with our clients because we understand their way of thinking yeah. so we can connect quicker so we can help our clients quicker. So it's, it's, it's so much more. It's exciting. It touches on. Yeah. That's, 
everything. Um, I just joined the committee last year, mm-hmm. and man, it is awesome being on the committee. And that was one of the first things. I don't know if it's I learned because I think I knew it, but like when we talk about diversity in education, we're not talking about like what you mentioned earlier. Right. We're not talking about gender, race, ethnicity, right. age. Yep. We really get into um, all kinds of different diversity. It is personality types, right? Are you yes. an extrovert or an introvert? And that's a that's a big that's a big difference in type and personality types. You're talking about diversity. It is it is age and like generation and the way that people work and its mindset. And um, so diversity goes way, way, way beyond what you initially. It's not what you just see. Absolutely, it's how people's brains work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This is it's interesting. You mentioned the introvert extrovert. So. And we talked about that. We had at our uh, Great Lakes chapter winter conference in Miami a few weeks ago where Brian and I were able to attend. And uh, we had two speakers from um, HBCU Connect, Doug Menifee and uh, Larry Jemison. And so they spoke on Thursday um, and they talked about extrovert, introvert, because, you know, they touched on that subject. One of their clients is 8451 in Cincinnati. And uh, I've had the opportunity to speak with uh, Taryn Wilson, who is their manager of diversity. I'm not sure of her title, right. but she's fantastic. Yeah. And the stuff they're doing behind diversity, they're in like year four or five of their journey. Yeah. And so they've done a lot. Um, they're a to, step ahead of you, right? Oh, yeah. They're, they're a yeah. step ahead of pretty much everyone so learn from them. in the industry. And she, she brought me in. Yeah. She shared so much information with me. So it's exciting to see where where. They are currently yeah. and where Burke is headed, you know, aside from the GLC yeah. um, within Burke, um, we we have a, a inclusion and diversity team. Uh, we've named it Kaleidoscope, um, <laughs> which is interesting, but it's the merger of uh, Kaleidoscope is, is the merger of all the wonderful colors and shapes and, and all the differences that collide together to form, right. you know, something that can be wondrous. So. That's exciting for us, but it's new, <laughs> yeah. new for new for Burke. But um, under our our new CEO Di- Diane Surrett, she's made um, our inclusion and diversity initiative a part of our strategic um, initiative and strategic vision. Yeah, which you know that it's top down. I mean, it has yeah. to come from leadership as a key directive to get the attention needed. Um, and so it's exciting for me uh, to be a part of that team. And yeah. I work with so many smart people at Burke that, um, you know, filtering you know, that information and people's ideas and, and thoughts that it's it's exciting for me. Just yeah. like, you know, it's really exciting for the, the Great Lakes Chapter Diversity and Education Committee. Brian was at SampleCon when we had our last meeting, but yeah. we talked about our, um, our, our agenda, a calendar of events. Just with the diversity and edu- education committee, we have a lot to do. 2020, this we have a lot to do. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in. Um, but we were planning on. Well, we have a budget, thankfully. We do. The budget is important. <laughs> you need money. Um, so we have uh, a couple of diversity and education roundtables. So mm-hmm. some discussions where we'll plan on allowing our members or non-members, if they want to attend. To get some takeaways, we had our first ones last October, yep. one in Cincinnati and one in Chicago, and Brian was able to attend. And that conversation was fabulous. It actually led to us inviting Doug and Larry to Miami. Um, so we plan to do that throughout the Great Lakes chapter region in t- 2020. We have an event coming up uh, in April. We don't have key dates, 
but I think it's going to be really great at uh, several colleges and universities. This is the city forum. This is the, the city Mutter forum, city. which yeah. turned into the Sharon Mudder right. multi-city forum. Yeah. Um, so we've got we've got some changes coming to that. And oh. so the format is really exciting for us. Awesome. Um, so I'll hold back on that, but be looking <laughs> out for the Great Lakes chapter well, of the Insights Association for more. I actually nailed a couple, uh, nailed down a couple of webinar dates okay. for later this year. So we have a lot to do. Yeah. Um, but like information is key and just the chatter, it yeah. gets people thinking, even in Miami when we we're at the conference. So right. we had a networking event the Wednesday evening yeah. before. One of my favorite networking events I've ever done. Yes. Miami Heat game. Yeah. My first <laughs> NBA game. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You told me that. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome. The, what I what I drew from it, so and Brian can attest that the next day, I think we had six or seven speakers on Thursday, yeah. maybe six. Yeah. Each and every speaker talked about diversity. Yeah, it was crazy. Each and every one. It was every they built on each other. They built on each other. Yeah. But I think that came from having the conversation the night before at the networking event. Mm -hmm. And people were having people were talking about it. And so it came in their mind like, well, this ties into yeah this presentation. This ties into engagement. This ties into right. um, how you communicate, how you communicate with, with yeah. people. It ties into everything. Yeah. And that, that was just from having conversations Wednesday night through the presentations on Thursday and, and on Friday. Um, so, you know, bringing the awareness yeah. that it is a critical component to um your, your job, your everyday communication. I mean, the stats are out there, so I encourage people to read more. Yeah. You know, I've been reading some journals from the Harvard, Harvard uh, Business Review. Um, they have a lot of data, a lot of information. But, you know, if, if companies go through and read the data, you know, um, companies who actively participate in diversity and inclusion see a financial return on investment almost every single time. Yeah. You have to put the effort into it, um, but it definitely pays off in the long run. A, because it's the right and smart thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and B, you know, it, it's just a part of who we are as human beings and the interaction that we have and how we communicate with each other and understand each other and engage with your employees or engage with our clients, engage with the consumers. Yeah. Um, it, it's an overarching yeah, uh, theme uh, of what we do every day. Well, your your passion comes across on this topic. I don't even have to ask you questions. You <laughs> no, just, I just keep talking. <laughs> you, just, oh, I'm fired up. <laughs> you, have to be, you mentioned the Florida Conference. I imagine you were proud in, in a way that we every topic was around diversity in some way, uh, like from a different perspective almost, right? Yes. That was really cool, I thought. It was very cool, absolutely. Yeah. And we've been intentional as a Great Lakes Chapter Board Right now, I'm not a board member now. I'm a, an advisor to the board, but we've been very intentional over the last two to three years of at our two main conferences, which is a winter conference and our fall conference, which happens in a regional city, to have a speaker yeah. who is focused on some kind of diversity and inclusion topic. Right. Just, you know, we're the only um chapter in the in the insights association with this type of committee why is that how do we make this happen i know melanie courtright 
She's yes. still on the podcast soon. Do you want, awesome. do you want me to badger her about this topic? You, I, you can badger her a little bit. <laughs> I was actually on a, I don't, I've never met Melanie in oh, person. She's great. But I was on a call with her. Um, I'm, I'm a part of the Insights Association National Chapter Leadership Team. Okay. And so she was on our last call yeah. um, talking about her vision for the Insights Association overall. Okay. I, I came away super impressed. Oh, my very gosh. She's amazing. Uh, very excited for her plans and her thoughts. So, yeah. Actually, yeah, definitely, Brian. <laughs> I badger her. No, I mean, not badger her, but I, but I yeah, think you, and she's an industry person, so yeah. she kind of gets it. Yeah. So it's actually one of the reasons I'm on that committee. I haven't brought that up yet. But <laughs> yeah. I guess it's here for everybody here because I, I mean, I think it's needed. Um, Absolutely. I have seen more, um, some more content over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, or surrounding this topic, but it's not there yet. The industry is not there yet. Yeah, no. I think Nielsen does some things surrounding diversity. There, yeah. I've seen them on a couple lists for companies who are really in tune, but they're they're huge. Yeah, but I think even more so because a lot of our companies aren't that huge within right. the industry, where you can have a greater, quicker impact. Yes, because of the the sizes of the companies. Um, in our, in our industry. Well, one thing I love was the, I loved attending the diversity roundtable. Yeah. And so thank you for that. Um, and it's because we got to get people together from different companies yep. and these companies, many of them compete against each other. Right. Yep. But we were all had a common goal and we could share experiences yes. and kind of help each other out and lift each other up and like, Hey, this is what I've seen successful. Right. And that's what you've done is you've talked to 8451. Now you're talking to Nielsen. I know Dineta starting something. Burke has said, had something for a year. And hopefully this kind of goes like Absolutely. viral a little bit, right? And it grows. Yes. And that's the purpose. To me, that's one of the purposes of Insight Association. Yes. Like, you're not in this alone. Right. You've got a peer network um, that can help out, right? That's right. That's what we do. We support each other. And yeah. we, we talk before we, yeah. uh, we hit the button to go. But small industry, I mean, it really yeah. is. And so, you know, we share and, and help each other build upon ideas and, and thoughts on how we can get better as an industry overall. Yeah. Well, the, we um, at SampleCon last week, there was a session. It was, the topic was Generation Z, but it was really more about diversity. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how we need to adapt as an industry. It was really from an online perspective, how to ask questions, right? Yes. To participants who are taking surveys online mostly. But it also got into the point where we need to hire a different type of people. Yeah. Generation Z is they're entering the workforce, which they are now. They grew up with a smartphone in their hand, right? Yep. Yep. And so <laughs> they are different than most of us in this room right now who didn't grow up with a smartphone. It's kind of, this was a That's novel right. innovation in our lifetime, right? Yep. And so they have a different expectation and a different mindset. And that brings a lot of value to organizations, mm-hmm. but we need to attract them. We not only do we need to attract them, we need to attract the best and the brightest of them. Yep. And so as an industry, we need those people. Absolutely. We need to adapt. And we're, this is my um, soapbox of the day. We need, to, we need to adapt. And we're a slow moving industry traditionally, right? Mm-hmm. We're a very risk adverse yes. industry. <laughs> to me, the risk is not changing to attract the new talent. So one of the examples that was mentioned was that sometimes the initial screening for Generation Z is done via text message. Yes. Like that's the kind of out-of-box out thinking that maybe as an industry, I'm hoping that we can change because, again, I want to bring in the, the next leaders of our industry, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. And even evaluating things like our job descriptions. 
Oh, absolutely. How those read. Is that attractive yeah. to uh, potential candidates? Is it, yeah. you know, I, I read a stat and someone maybe told me the story, but I, I did follow up and read the stat, but it talked about like it, just how men and women engage job descriptions. Yeah. Like a man will look at a job description and if he thinks he can fulfill 50% of the items listed in the job description, he's applying. Yeah. A woman needs 70% in right. her mind. So yeah, right off the bat. What, what what yeah, what pool are you losing? Right. Because maybe our job description didn't quite tune right. into um the folks who we're we're looking at. So right. just a, just so many levels, but I agree with you, Brian, that we have to be as an industry aggressive at a, attracting that talent. Yeah. Like even especially like in the, the tech um, yeah. side of our industry. And that's a huge like, part of our tech industry. Is, is huge in our industry. Yeah. But on that pool of candidates, we're we're fighting with the Microsofts and the Apple Right, exactly. All the big tech companies. We need Google's. coders and engineers. That's right. right. So you know what makes our industry attractive yeah. to the, to that pool of people. Yeah. Um, and and how do we make those job descriptions to attract someone who, you know, they're they're not your our traditional quote yeah. um, research type, but it's needed in technology and getting things done quicker, faster, right? With the same level of quality is is critical. So agreed. You want to move on to some sports talk? My my most fun topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, thank you for that. That was I personally appreciate, and I think the industry should appreciate that you have used this as an initiative that you're passionate about. And I, I hope that it is rewarding to you and you've seen progress in oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. Um, next, you're, you're Cincinnati. I think you're like Mr. Cincinnati. You're I, I love all Cincinnati sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in the College Football Hall of Fame last week, by the way. Oh, awesome. We had a, another great networking event. My life has been so bad lately. <laughs> it's been rough. I didn't just go to a Miami Heat game. I went to the College Football Hall of Fame last week for a networking oh, event. It was nice. amazing. Um, you walk in, and before you go, you um, enter your favorite college football team. And, and so when you enter, they give you a lanyard with a, with a coat on it. And whenever you're walking around the College Football Hall of Fame, it's interactive displays that will say, hey, Brian – do you want to hear the UK fight song? I was Kentucky. Do you want to hear the Kentucky fight song? I, yes, I do. Awesome. And then you, you can sing the, the Kentucky fight song or whatever, Ohio State, New York Cincinnati fight song. Um, and then whenever you went through the entire Hall of Fame, there was all kinds of – so much interactive. It was amazing. Wow. But the point of the story was there was a Joe Burrow jersey at the College Football Hall of Fame. Very nice. Coming full circle here, <laughs> um, which I couldn't believe it was so small, first of all. Those things must be tight. Because it didn't look, it looked like a youth version. I don't know. But um, my question really is, will the Bengals draft Joe Burrow? And is that what you want them to do? That's exactly what I'm – that's what they should do. That's yeah. what I want them to do. Yeah. Um, there's a no There's a no doubter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ohio kid from Athens. Yeah, not far away. Not far away. He would bring half of that city in for yeah. a team that ranked 31st in ticket sales last year. They need some energy, right? That needs energy. They need a quarterback. They need something other than what we've had the last couple of years. Would you say he would almost come in, not even just the new face of the franchise, but maybe the face of the city? Absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. 
and he's been he's been seen hanging out in Mason at yeah. like the Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> yeah, there's sightings. <laughs> there are Joe Burrow sightings on Twitter. I absolutely agree with that. He will be the face of the city. I mean, there's nothing you know, better than your football team being good. Yeah. How people feel, how people feel on Monday morning. And we get the opposite effect we had for a long time oh, in Cincinnati. Uh, but it would be great to get number seven locked in and in well, town. Why don't they just why don't they just sign him today? I you wish get, they could. Get an extra, you can, I think. <laughs> Let's give him a playbook and get him going. I wish they need to get him going. They need to, they need to get him going. Hopefully they've they've slipped him a playbook already. You would hope. I would that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, let's get him. I don't him know how legal that around. is, but I'm. If the Patriots can get away with what they get away with, I think <laughs> yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals can slip him a playbook. You would think. You know, I'm not a. I'm not a Bengals fan. I'm a Steelers fan. I, I'm aware. Yes, I won't hold that against I, you. Too badly. I, I get in a lot of trouble here, but I I am a Cincinnati fan, <laughs> and so I don't root against. I'm certainly not a Bengals hater because, like you said. There's a lot of Mondays you come into work not happy. I don't like that any more than anybody else. A bunch of grumpy coworkers. That's right. It's really sad. So I do kind of root for them. I don't root for them. I don't root for them to go like 14 and two. Like a 10 and six season is all I'm asking for. Right. That's probably all Bengals fans are asking for. You have to be competitive. Yeah, just be competitive. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. This organization, they do. They do strange things. They just don't operate like an NFL franchise. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't like what the recent players have said to the media about the Bengals, there might be some truth to it. I think, I think there is a <laughs> layer of truth. I mean, yeah. Boomer Esiason has always kind of been like, since he's left the organization, a, a Bengals detractor. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. Well, Carson Super Bowl week. And that really was, that seems surprising. Oh yeah. And it didn't surprise me with Carson. I mean, he left with a really bad taste in his mouth. Yeah. Um, when Mike Brown basically said, well, you can retire. I think someone had to talk him into actually trading Carson, which oh, wow. turned out to be fantastic. And, you know, from Carson's standpoint, yeah, like the Bengals did make the playoffs five years in a row immediately after you left. It's not like when yeah. he went to Oakland that he tore it up. Right. Uh, exactly. yeah. He did have some, some success there and some yeah. success with the Cardinals, but Hey, he, he retired without a ring, just like all the Bengals did. Yeah. Um, but, well, maybe this is the turnaround year for Cincinnati sports. I'm hoping so. <laughs> the Reds spend a ton of money. There's, some people say they're the favorites in the division, and we haven't had a winning baseball team. It feels like forever. It's probably only been like, what, six, six seven, seven years? years maybe? Yes. Yeah. We're due for a good Red season, and this is really a, a baseball town. Um, I think the Bengals, if they draft Joe Burrow, and also their first-round draft pick last year didn't play. Yeah, he didn't play. And then you There's add, your left tackle. Yeah, you're, yes. And then you have the first pick of the second round. You can really plug in a lot of holes. They could. I, I, they need some free agents. Yes. They need to – they traditionally trade. have not spent money in free agency, but a couple of offensive linemen in free yeah. agency would be fantastic because now the with the the – it's a slight variation. It's merging. Like the college game is flowing more into the pro game. Yeah. A little more speed, but it's not quite there yet. So yeah. the offensive linemen in college aren't yet prepped right. to make the transition to pro ball. So it'd be great to get a couple free agents who've played in the NFL who are ready to go right now right. to surround your quarterback um, with, well, um, with some talent and some people who can keep him off of his backside. Yes. Well, the, the, the Bengals 
And also the Steelers need to make some market improvements because there's a new quarterback in the division who I have a feeling is going to have a very impressive career that we're going to have to deal with two times a year. He's pretty spectacular, yeah. and he's like 23. <laughs> yeah. Unanimous MVP Lamar Jackson is who we're talking about. Yep. And he's at the dreaded Baltimore Ravens, which I'm going to hate playing him twice a year for the rest of our lives. He, he, he changes the way the defenses approach. I mean, he, yeah. His football speed is at another level. Well, speaking of diversity, we can make this full circle. The Ravens did something I wish other teams would do. They built the offense around his talents, yes, right? they did. Yep. They didn't just plug him into any playbook. Nope. And look how successful that was. He put up record numbers. That's because Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, not Jim, <laughs> John Harbaugh is an excellent coach. Mm-hmm. And so he, he has that foresight to do that. Um, yeah. But he also has a front here. office to, that supported him yeah. to do that. I mean, you have to be all in. When you make a change like that, you bring in a generational talent. You have yeah. to have the front office to make that change. Yep. And you brought him in, what, was it a year off winning with your Super Bowl winning quarterback? And you're yep. like, nope, you Get can go. Of, yep. Get rid of your Super Bowl quarterback. That's a big move. That's not easy to do. NFL is a right now business. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of Mike Brown's, one of the, his greatest attributes, I think, but one of his greatest faults is his loyalty. Yeah. He's incredibly loyal to his yeah. team and his players and he'll, he'll pay the players who are here, but yeah. when he, they frequently hold on to folks who are one or two years past their prime yeah. this year being a prime, prime example, when they made zero trades at the trade deadline, right? When you could have been stocking up draft picks for, and I, I love all these guys, but yeah. Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, yep. AJ Green, they who's my favorite bingo of all time, Tyler Eifert. Yeah. You know, these guys are in their, their, the 30s. Football players don't peak in their 30s. Well, it's also, I think it's a disservice to them because you could have put AJ Green in, in the playoffs this year. Yes. The Bengals could have done that for him yes. or Dunlop, like these people that deserve to have a playoff. Absolutely. Run. Yeah. I have a different question for you. Now that we've talked, we've mentioned AJ Green. Yes, you have the Bengals. If you draft Burrow, you have a nice young core. You have Ross, Mixon, Burrow. Do you bring AJ back? I wouldn't include Ross in that nice young. Okay, mix. okay, I, I include the young. The young. He is young, but I wouldn't include him in the mix. I would bring back AJ Green at the right price. Oh, he's got a one max deal. He probably wants a max deal. I would bring him back at the right. And I'll, AJ Green is my favorite bingo of all time. Yeah. But I, I would not pay a 32, soon to be 33 year old wide receiver who's missed most of the last two years due to injury. I would not. Could be labeled quotes. injury him, pro. Um, <laughs> injury in quotes. Uh, an insane yeah. amount of money. Yeah. If they can find a. a yeah. And I know from his standpoint, Get all you can get. I mean, this yeah. is his last big contract. Yep. So I'm not upset with him if they tag him and he sits out. Like, that's a part of the business and the players have to protect themselves. Yeah. But from the Bengals standpoint, you can't you can't pay that money for because they're still rebuilding. They're not a win-now team. Yeah. If they were a win-now team and they were a piece or two away, I'm like, go all in. Yeah. Go for them. Get that, try to get that Super Bowl. But they're yeah. they're not close. Um, are you a soccer fan? Have you got on board the FC Cincinnati train? I came aboard soccer late when my okay. son started to play soccer. Okay. And then somehow that merged into me coaching soccer for a few years. Um, <laughs> so I'm still not uh, super educated yeah. as I am on the other sports, but 
I'm on the FC Cincinnati train. Yeah. Um, I've been to several games. Yeah. It's a great experience. Um, they were awful last year. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully this year. Oh, they were so bad. It was embarrassing. They were awful last year. So hopefully yeah. this year they've made some improvement. They just signed yeah. A couple guys in the in the last two weeks. Oh yeah, look at you. Um, oh, I keep up on my sports. Bro. Oh wow, I have to do something to maintain my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with right there with you. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Any news? Any news at Burke? Anything want to promote at Burke? Uh, Burke's uh, continuing to flow. It's yeah. exciting stuff happening. Um, this earlier this year on our downtown campus, we. Um, finalize the completion of the seed strategy yeah. building, and um, we're we're super busy. Yeah, <laughs> busy is a good thing. Um, super great, smart people. We've made some internal um, um, shifts, organizational changes, and that um, will keep the train rolling. Yeah. Um, the phone center business is healthy. The sample sample side of of business is healthy. Um, it's exciting. I love working at Burke. Just yeah. uh, the people there are. It's it's so um, invigorating when I'm surrounded by sharp people every day who challenge you to to yeah. to be at at our best. Yeah. So new CEO Diane Sorrett started in October. Um, just a new exciting path. Just a continued tradition of fantastic people. And speaking of diversity, it's kind of ironic. So. Diane Surrett is the first female CEO since the founder of Burke. Since Alberta. Alberta. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, and Tanya Ferrara, she was talking about that. Yep. Yep. Running wire and what, yeah, what Burke does with wire. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So we're actually, that's one of my goals. I don't know this year or next year, but Tanya and I have talked about <laughs> wire and the Great Lakes chapter of DE committee doing a combined event. Oh, and so. Well, that we have to make that happen. Brian Peterson may have some insight here. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk off the air. Nice. <laughs> we might do something. Um, Damon, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, guys. I That's, really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Damon. It's a privilege to have you on. I, again, I love your passion on diversity and what you've done for the industry. You've lifted up the industry, our chapter, um, researchers in general. And so, man, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys, for having me back. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.